passage this morning begins with parents asking for Jesus to bless their children. What is blessing? When you hear the word blessing, what do you think? What? Being thankful? What? God has provided for us? Something good. Anybody from this side? So in, in the Greek, um, the word is ulogeia, good word. In the Latin, it's benedictus, good word. It is literally saying a good word over somebody. So if you look through the story of the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, there's a wonderful story that God calls Abram and says, I will bless you, I will speak good words over you. And I will make you a blessing to all the nations. The nations will say good words about you. There's the story of Jacob and Esau, and Jacob steals the blessing, right? And Esau, get Dad, don't you have good words for me too? Mm. Good words. Why is that important? Speaking good words over somebody. What is so before we go there, let's talk about curses. Because the opposite of a blessing is a curse. What is a curse? When you're wishing something bad upon somebody. I hope you stub your toe, right? I hope your food gives you indigestion, right? What else have you cursed people with? Nobody's confessing today. I'll give you a few. May you receive the effect of your driving upon others, upon yourself. That is the blessing I give people. Um, one of my other curse prayers is, <laughs> may the joy you bring others be brought unto you. It's a blessing, right? Because I'm hoping that they will but uh, I don't necessarily mean it that way. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> That's a curse. Aren't you an idiot? Yeah. So, a curse is wishing bad things upon somebody. How do you feel about people who curse you? Don't like them. You ignore them. You pray for them. Ignoring them is in many ways worse than having antagonism about them because they become non-persons, right? I had a, a chaplaincy where I really ticked off some nurses and the cha head chaplain came to me and said, good job. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> he said, no, you made them care because they have such a high mortality rate on that. They cut their heart off. They just don't get emotionally affected and you made them do so. Good job. Okay, who do you want me to tick off next, right? <laughs> wow. Okay, so we're going to keep moving on. So, blessing and curses. Do these things have power? Yes, they do. Words have power. Let me give you an example. In not just 
Afghanistan, but in many places around the world, even in places in American subcultures, especially among very conservative Christian subcultures, women are told they have no place in school, that they are to be barefoot and pregnant, right? In Afghanistan, when people went and said, and spoke these words of possibility. We believe every girl should be educated for their life. When you speak a possibility that before was considered impossible, do you see how words have power? And all of a sudden, you have all these girls coming to get educated and saying it's, it should be a fundamental right Right? And now you have a group coming in saying, no, it's not. And all of those girls who started to learn are saying, watch us. And there's great risk, isn't there? But, but there are many of them who are refusing to back down. Because somebody spoke a truth and a possibility over them. Somebody blessed them. When you speak words of possibility, how many of you can remember a time where you thought something was impossible and somebody said, I believe you can do it? Going to the moon. We do this not because it's easy, but because it is hard, right? We choose to do hard things. Right. What else in your life was impossible until somebody said you can do it and it became possible? You go to college. What? Search the web? I, how many of you for, how many, a little bit of honesty, Looking at your first smartphone, were like, I did not know I was so dumb. <laughs> right? Uh, you're only half there. Things are impossible until they become possible, and often they become possible because somebody comes alongside you and speaks words of encouragement, gives words of instruction, blesses you. Can you imagine why the parents would have wanted Jesus to bless them? Why parents would want Jesus to speak truth and possibility over their children's lives? Can you imagine? Who were the people in your life who spoke truth and possibility? Parents, teachers, preachers, grandparents. Any of you? Sometimes your boss. Yeah. Friends, spouse, Sunday school teachers. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for those who have blessed us in your name. Mm. So think of all those people who spoke truth and possibility into you, made 
your life, your current reality in, in the places where it is good possible. Thank you, God, for those who blessed us in your name. Why would somebody want to keep that blessing from happening? Power. Power and control. It's about the kids, they say. Right? How many of you have heard that from all the different politicians? It's about the kids. When really it's about appealing to their base to get money, power, and influence. So what would happen if we actually made it about the kids? Because let's be real honest. Who doesn't have money? Do children have a lot of money? Do children have a lot of power? Do children have a lot of influence? Do the parents of young children have a lot of power, money, or influence? For the most part, no. You know how much it costs to raise a child today? Do the people who are throwing money at Procter & Gamble for those little poop catchers called diapers, you know how much those cost? When my children potty trained, I got a raise. <laughs> then they started eating more and I got back down, <laughs> right? We could go to cloth diapers which are not of God. <laughs> it, well, anyway, so focus, Kurt, focus. Uh, so, so money and power. There's no politician on the world who's going to say, in the world, who's going to say we hate kids, right? Their actions dictate otherwise. For, for us as followers of Jesus, I served a church uh, once, I won't tell you which one, who I had a, a gentleman, we had a, a, a daycare, not daycare, we had preschool, we had a preschool in there, and they had painted the walls, and they had had the kids put little footprints on the walls, follow us to children's ministry, and he came in, one of the trustees came in over the weekend and painted over it, because kids are messy and stinky, and he didn't want those kids there. So when I got there and I found this story out and he was still complaining about, and this daycare, this, this preschool got started the correct way. This preschool funded them for a few years when they were short on their budget. Normally that doesn't happen. But I asked him why he didn't like kids in the church. They break things and I'm a trustee. They break things and I'm a trustee. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to make it my mission to make you see the value of them by the time I leave. And so I started telling stories of the ways kids had built the world around them, how kids in that preschool colored pictures and we took them to the nursing home and I found out which nursing home his mother was in. <laughs> Be innocent as doves. It's a good thing to take pictures to nursing home, but wise as a freaking snake. Find out where they are. Go Unseat the prejudices of power. Unseat the prejudices of power. 
if you have not been in poverty or walked with families who are in poverty, some of those stats I shared with you may have surprised you. But it did not surprise anybody who's been there or walked with people who are. Wealth insulates us and makes it so we don't have to experience that. But it also, when we hear the story, when we see the problem, it gives us the power to do something about it and to use our voice to change the world. There is not a politician in the world who's going to say, I don't like kids. Not many are as bold as that trustee, right? Actions speak loud. I mean, that guy, though, that trustee spoke him out loud. He said out loud what the others were saying in the shadows. So I targeted him. And I worked on him. And I prayed for him. Do our words have power? Yes, I prayed for him. And I worked on him. And I met with him regularly. And I showed him. And then I made it personal. Would it be easier to just have a church of functioning adults who are all doing things, thinking things, providing? Would that be easier? Yeah, reality is there aren't many functioning adults. Just going to say it out loud. Aren't many fully functioning adults. And the other thing is it wouldn't be true to our mission. Because the founder of our mission said, let the children come to me. Hinder them not, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So let's talk about places we've seen the world change. Over COVID, all of a sudden, everybody realized without child care, what happens? They had to take care of their own kids. They had to teach their own kids. And they went, oh my gosh, what are these teachers having to deal with? your kid, right? Those who could afford hired somebody to help them. How quickly we forget, though. Teachers were superheroes. Doctors and nurses were superheroes over COVID. And now we have laws making their life more difficult. Both of those groups. Carol, how many people are in the room this morning? 65 or so? 65 people. This week, if Senator Deering from our district got 65 individual contacts saying, I demand, I be, not I demand, I believe that you and the rest of our state Senate could figure out a way to pay for kids' lunches. Here's how you did it in the past. We have a $2 billion expected overage. And it would cost $486 million to do that for the next four years. I think that's money well spent, don't you, sir? And I believe in you that you could do this. Do you see how you're blessing that person? And if 65 of you from this service and probably the 120 or 30 from next service, every single one of you contacted Senator Deering 
What do you think Senator Deering's office is going to do? If you think nothing, you begin the letter this way. Dear Senator Deering, my name is Kirk Freeman. I live in your district. I'm an active voter. And I have 500 different people I speak to on a regular basis every week. You fill in your number. I have an issue that I think is very important and it affects the welfare of everybody. And not only that, if you do this, it lifts this many people out of poverty and it helps our state because every single dollar spent on children rebounds 10 times in an economy. Every single dollar. Did you know that? Every dollar spent on children in an economy rebounds 10 times. So Senator Deering, this makes good moral sense. It makes good financial sense. And not only that, you get to come back to our district and say, I listened to your people. I made this happen. It makes good political sense, doesn't it, Senator Deering? You've just blessed him to take money and do something good. You spoke good words into him. How much time does it take to do that? I've just given you the words. You go home. You know how to search the internet. You just told me. Or before you leave the parking lot, you pull open and you go to Indiana's congressional page, look up your senator, write him a note. But you tell them, I'm an active, registered voter in your district. How many people you come in contact with on a regular basis? You see how this works? Because then Senator Deering is going to come back to you. If 65 of you did that from this service, to both our Congress and our senators, and if you take that to whatever else we want to do, take it to Senator Braun. Senator Braun, I believe that you don't need more money from the NRA. I think that God has blessed you enough with what you have. And I would like to see you care about kids. And I would like to see our government care more about kids than about gun manufacturers and violence and weapons manufacturers. I would like to see us care more about kids and bailing their future out than bailing out a bank that chose to make unwise lending practices. If you had spent the money you all spent bailing out three banks caring for kids, our future would be much better. I believe you could do it. You did it here over COVID. You provided these funds and a 2% tax on those who make more than $200 million a year would fund that in perpetuity. I believe you can do this. By the way, I'm a registered active voter who speaks with this many people on a regular basis. We proved earlier you all have a voice. Some of you were able to use that to be annoying to great effect. What would happen if we, the church, chose to use our voice because Jesus said, let the children come unto me and hinder them not? What if we used our voice for those who are in power who are blocking the blessing of children because that's what they're doing? What if we rebuked them and blessed them into a new reality? One last story. 
and then we'll pray. Late 1800s, child labor laws were not in effect. Have you noticed those have started getting repealed and now children as young as 12 can go to work? As young as 14 can go to work in factories where losing limbs is a possibility? In meat packing plants? These are, these are happening. The work that our ancestors did, because from 18, what, 90 to 1906, there was a Methodist woman from Evansville who took the train up every year to Indianapolis and lobbied the congressman to get child labor laws enacted in Indiana. And over 16 years, she finally got it through. But she went every single year and she camped out and talked to as many of those Congress people as she could. She was a holy annoyance. And some of you have just been annoying. I would like you to be holy about it. Right? Imagine what would happen if 65 people were holy annoyances for the rest of the year to a people who are blocking the blessing of God from reaching children. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? I believe you have more power than you realize. Would it be easier to not deal with kids? Oh my Lord, have mercy. Yes, there are weeks where it would be so much easier to not have an early learning. But that's not the Jesus that I serve. The Jesus I serve said, let the children come unto me, hinder them not for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if I wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing, I need to be a part of that. And wherever I see the blessing of children being blocked, God has called me to use the voice I have to speak, to not remain silent. And like that woman from 19, from the late 1800s to early 1900s, go every time I have the chance and be a holy annoyance to those who are blocking the blessing of children. Children like the ones I asked you to think of earlier. Children like the ones I asked you to name. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, use us to bless your children. Amen. So you, you can ask Jake. This Normally I try and finish my sermon by Tuesday, Thursday at the latest. This one was a hard one for me to write because uh, seeing these statistics, I have faces, I have names of kids who have been trafficked, kids who have been harmed. And when I see those things happen, I do everything I can to make sure it doesn't happen to them again. I've had children removed from homes. I did what needed to be done because those kids were at risk. And those kids' lives are better today because of it. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Would you pray with me one last time? Holy Spirit, use us to bless your children. Amen. So whether it's through acts of mercy or acts of justice this week, go out and bless somebody's kid.